from the studio that brought you Snow White, Fantasia, and the story of menstruation. Revisit the animated classic that will cancel out all the empowering things your daughter learned from Frozen. Leave the sewing to the women. Where girls are taught to be pushovers, do all the housework, and that their problems will disappear if they're hot enough to land a rich husband. Uh, welcome to episode 11 of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, where each Monday we pair the finest of cocktails with the finest of graphic novels and comic books. Uh, you can go to www.funnybooksandfirewater.com for all the dress- drink recipes featured in the show, um, as well as links to all of our social media. You can find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. Uh, this week we are doing Bitch Planet, which is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and illustrated by Valentin Di Lorendo. Um, and with us, we are actually... Landro. Landro. Sorry. Landro. <laughs> I'm saying she's going to be real pissed if she hears that he just fucked up her name. I think it's actually a guy. My apologies. Um, it, it might be Valentine Delandro. Yeah, I think the artist is actually a guy. Because I was reading some of the special feature things in the back somewhere. And it's, or something online. I can't remember what it was. But I, did some research. I, think, I think the artist is actually a dude. He probably likes to draw titties. Well, you know. Could be a dude. Could be a dude. Probably is a dude. But anyway, so three of us are here in Utah, including myself, and one of us is away, so very far away, not having as much fun as the rest of us in Maryland. So we will start with the very famous Q, who, before we get started, Q, I have to tell you, I was back up in Logan, where both Q and I went to school, and I was talking to Luann, because we all know every theater department has a secretary who actually runs everything. Absolutely. And Luann was telling me the saddest thing I'd ever heard. She asked how Q was doing and said, yeah, we really haven't had a Q since there was a Q. And I was like, how do you have a theater department and not have a Q? And I was really depressed that like in the 10 or so years since we've been in school there, there's a very recent, very recent, very recent Q <laughs> just graduated last year, but I had to come and go. I didn't, I didn't graduate immediately. He's, he's actually underrated. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The, the, the lovely Q is so very young, but I was very depressed. That, I mean, I'm happy that I happen to be in school at the same time as the great Q, but I'm a little sad for the future generation because it would not under the Q replace you. Listen, I am so sorry, Logan, Utah, but <laughs> there's only one. You're like the Highlander. Um, so, intro stuff. Uh, we're in full swing of 1776. Um, I have run into some issues with getting seamstresses. So, if you are in the Maryland or D.C. area and you've got some sewing skills and you like to work for free, <laughs> come on down. Um, yeah, I'm having my first production meeting for um, White Christmas tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. And... Um, yeah, I, I am currently drinking, as everyone should, a glass of vodka with a Gatorade chaser. Which, one of the last times I hung out with Q in, uh, in Maryland, actually, you were in Virginia at the time. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I, I, I still don't like beer to this day, but they were playing drinking games, and I decided that since I don't like beer, I was going to have Grey Goose and Gatorade, thought that was a reasonable facsimile of beer, and uh, it was an interesting night for me. Uh, yeah, that's good times. That was actually, I, yeah, it was great because I wasn't driving. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, then also, so here we are in the lovely kitchen of the uh, the world famous and now infamous since Q has given up his title of infamous. Uh, we are um, uh, we are here with Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. We are sitting in my dining area, just living here in Salt Lake. The comic book enthusiast, and I will say for this week, which planet made me feel funny. <laughs> Wait, we'll get to that. Yeah, so, yeah I felt a little 
Unequipped. Um, yeah, yeah, we will get into that as well. Uh, fully Equipped is uh, also with us here in person, live in the Pilkington studios. We have Adam. Yes, hey, this is Adam McDonald from both Big Chinese Robot and the Board as Hell podcast. Um, yeah, I'm seeing actually the drink I found uh, to kind of go along with this was called a Cherry Bitch. I kind of did some tweaks to it. Um, essentially, the best way to describe it is it tastes kind of like uh, passion tea from Starbucks, but alcoholic. Uh, which means it's basically the greatest thing I've ever invented. So, I'm, <laughs> well, yeah, cause I'm, I'm always critical of my drink recipes, but this one has got um, this tea. I think, hold on, I'm going to find the name of it. It was from Smith's, and it's this really cool tea. Smith's Tells Tea? Yeah, it's a loopy tea, actually. What? In the great state of Utah? Right? I know. Shit. Shit, where's the world coming to? Well, I don't know. I'm drinking. I was trying to think of what's the bitchiest drink I can think of. A Zeno. <laughs> oh! They sell it They sell makeup somewhere. Number two is a Cosmopolitan. And apparently I'm some Or a uh, hard lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, we, uh, before she left the room, we asked Todd to define which member of the Sex and the City gang he was. And I think as far as we got in the conversation was that Todd was Samantha. Um, and we'll Todd is Samantha. <laughs> okay, okay, Q, are you a are you an expert on uh, on Sex in the City? I mean, I've watched the show once or four. Okay, so uh, what would Q be then? Oh, so I, obviously I'm the Samantha. Okay. Um, I, I I think I think t- um I think Brian would probably be more of a Charlotte oh. because he's a little more innocent than the rest of us are, a little more naive. Um. I would say Adam is probably a Miranda, and then because, because, because Carrie has no personality, we'll just leave that. <laughs> Thank you. I'd rather. And that, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's also known as a backhanded compliment. Uh, no, so I found it. So it's this. Uh, it's Solid Smiths. The private selection. It's loose leaf tea called Berry and Ancient Flower, and it's actually a really beautiful, like cool blue flowers in it. But you infuse your gin in that, and then you mix it with, uh, you bottle some cherries and a shaker, apple juice, orange bitters, lime juice. Um, I think I might be creating something else. You shake it all up, and you make it taste good, and I'm very, very happy and impressed by it. So, uh, probably one of my favorite drinks I've made. Rock on. So we'll get the recipe for you on our website as per usual. Uh, so the drink, the drink that I found for this book um, just because I just I, all I did was Google black bitch cocktail. <laughs> black. Um, yeah, just black bitch. Picture me. Uh, a, a shot of dark rum, so the dark rum of your <laughs> choice, and Pepsi, because that it's a little, in my opinion, a little sweeter. Than no, I, th- I think it's accurate. And then. For the garnish, because you know you gotta have a because she's still a lady, but to make her feel a little extra fancy, cut a nice little star fruit, put that on there. She's she's feeling fine, and she don't need a man. <laughs> Did you know the star fruit is from Mars? Is it really? <laughs> what? Yeah, oh, by the way, do not Google black page cocktail. <laughs> yeah, or at least don't use a bean because that will pull. Up. <laughs> I mean, if you do, don't do it at work. We're just going to put it that way. First of all, I'm, no kind of uh, things came up that were filthy. I mean, there were some nasty cocktails Apparently, that came up. I have the same uh, filters on his computer <laughs> as you do. Because he just Googled black bitch cocktail. And, um, yep. yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot of stuff that should have been blurred out if we were full. 
I'm sorry that you search for more porn than I, I do. I... Well, we don't have the binders full of it like you do, alright. <laughs> then remember is you don't need the internet, you know, Google for porn, that's what Tumblr's for. <laughs> Uh, girl, please. That, that, I, I still have yet to go to our Tumblr because I'm like, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I, I used to have a Tumblr and... No. I mean, it's, it's pretty much it's, it's, it's next to nothing. Yeah, I actually have a really horrible story about Tumblr that I will tell off air. Oh, this guy be interesting. I will know it fucked a friend of mine really badly. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, and I'm Brian. I'm the... <laughs> Wait, who are you? Are we supposed to? Uh, yeah, sort of. So yeah. Wait, is this the show? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's what happens when we all drink in the same room together. Yeah. So uh, I'm the cat herder on here on the show. Um, and uh, yeah. So uh, and then since most everybody else has done their drinks already, anyway, I'll do mine uh, because I I don't know why I chose this. I would like to come up with a good defining reason we can make something up. But um, the drink I'm choosing is one of my favorites that uh, I've had. It's kind of a tea drink it's called the Suffering Bastard. Um, so uh, for all of the evil men in this, this is the, uh, the drink for them. It is uh, one ounce of bourbon, one ounce of gin, uh, a quarter ounce of uh, fresh lime juice, uh, one dash of bitters, and uh, half a ginger liqueur, and then you add ginger beer. And you mix it all together and you strain it into a glass, and it is very tasty. Um, for those of you who listen to the Geek Show podcast, uh, Carrie Jackson was in um, California a couple months ago and uh, was asking for some bar recommendations, and I told him to go to a specific bar. Ask for a specific bartender and have him make him that drink. And the bartender wasn't there, but they found his notes from the drink. And I just got text back a couple hours later saying, "The suffering bastard is the greatest drink I've ever had." Like, so, <laughs> and Jerry's he, he, a vodka man. Yeah, and he's a professional drinker. So I'm just saying, there are a couple different recipes online too for the suffering bastard. That one's not completely original, but it's the closest to what I have had before. Um, but uh, yeah, experiment with it. It is. I, I recommend that drink a lot. And I actually, uh, yeah, probably cool. Later on this week, we need to go to the Martini Bar. Ooh. Favorite Martini Bar in Salt Lake. Sounds good. I'm always done. All right. Uh, fantastic. So, yeah. So, uh, now, we got Q's drink. We got Todd's drink. Mm -hmm. Cosmo. Okay. So, cool. We got all the drinks. Fantastic. So, we are discussing this week Bitch Planet, um, which, when I've been describing it to people, because uh, I've recommended it to a few people, uh, mm -hmm. the way I describe it is, is it has a very um, sort of uh, grindhouse kind of vibe, even from the, the poster art and some of the backgrounds. It's uh, dotted. looks kind of like a... A pulp novel, and it's sort of a semi-futuristic um, world where there is a planet that is solely a women's prison, and women can go to prison for things more than you know your typical murder and whatnot. They can just be bad wives, or their husbands can claim that they're bad wives, or pay money for them to go to prison and get out of the way. And so all these women are in prison, and uh, the government is using sports to try to keep the public docile, and they become a little less interested, and so. Through the process of it, they become, uh, uh, they decide that they're going to have a women's team. So it's kind of a, a from the bitch planet. So it's sort of a cross race between Death Race, Death race 2000 and uh, a little bit of the, the Longest Yard. Um, but uh, yeah, so it has, uh, it has a lot of fun stuff in it. I will say this, I did like this book a lot, but it almost makes, it, it, well, more than almost, it kind of makes you feel bad to be a male in, uh, in certain circumstances reading this book. You're like, wow, men kind of suck. As it well, well the, the good men said. Yeah. I was following you. I was waiting. I was waiting to see if there was a further punchline. I know. I kind of. I kind of feel like this. This almost felt like orange is the new black. In space. Yes. Oh, there you go. That's a good description. Yeah. Orange is the new black in space. That is a very good description of this. Um, I just want to say I thoroughly enjoyed this book. As I said uh, earlier off air. Um, when I got to the end where book one ends, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, 
let's go. Like I, I'm down. Like I want to. I want to keep reading this this book. It's um, to me is very very exciting. There's lots of intrigue. Um, they really still haven't gone into and this collects. I think like is it five or six issues? Five issues. Um, you still really don't know why everyone is on the bitch planet. You have some ideas. Um, you get little hints that, you know, there's definitely a whole underground and there's a movement and there's, you know, all, kind of all of the stuff going on. Um, I, I was completely enthralled. And then, like, you know, that, that sort of underdog sports movie that is, um, of course, always popular here in America. Um, that, that was definitely, like, that vibe going on. I will say my favorite character in this book is Penny. P Penny, P Penny is a big black woman who, once again, don't need no man, and she just kills me. My my, um, hope once again, go read the book first, then listen to me talking. Um, my favorite part is when the they use this machine to try to get her to see how she should look and how she feel because she's a, a big woman and one of the things is uh, women can be in trouble for not being um, appealing to men for not being attractive quote unquote and so they put her in front of this mirror and put this machine on her to um, you know be like this is this could be the ideal you and the image is exactly the same she's like that's right you can't change me. I'm like, yes, man. I was doing my preach hand up in the air. I was. And that, that was actually my favorite part of the book too. Was, Agree. I mean, I was pretty foreshadowed. Like you knew because it was the whole part of that, that book was her growing up, showing how she ended up where she was. Um, but yeah, that was when they're like, they're just laughing her ass off, and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the full third issue is devoted to Penny, which is where that that happens. Um, uh, the other thing I have to say, because I'm looking over Adam's shoulders, he's looking at his copy of it. One of the things I do love about this book is I love the fake ads in the back of it. They <laughs> crack me up. And, um, some of them, uh, like I love the, hey, you can be, you can get creepy X-ray specs, and you can, you know, go to a yeah. mall. You can go like uh, look at things where there's. Um, I just like the Niagara. It's yeah. slippery when wet. It's yeah. like crying <laughs> from your girl parts. Yes, or I love, whatever girls should know, your vagina is disgusting. Yeah, um, but but and speaking and speaking of the art, I I love that every woman is distinctive, especially in a lot of comic books. It's sort of you know men all kind of get to look different and they're different heights and different whatever. But women, it's just you know big boobs, big hips, different color hair, different outfit. Um, some that you know that seems to happen a lot. And in this book, every woman is very distinctive. And I and I love that about. Well, yeah, it's well. interesting too because I mean there is a lot of nudity throughout the book. Again, it's an adult adult title, mm -hmm. um, but it's not really it doesn't really feel nudity like it's pornographic. It just feels like hey, they're taking a shower and, and like you mentioned, every single woman has you know it's you can tell that this is a very feminist novel because there's no like ideal type of woman. There's like there's fat, there's short, there's ugly, there's beautiful. Um, it's not like you you know it's basically women run the gamut from left to right are all in this thing together. Um, I thought that, that was kind of cool because, you know, <clears throat> too, too often, especially in, you know, male-written comics, unfortunately, you kind of get the whole, like, oversexed, you know, like, uh, style with the boob window kind of thing going on. And, and, and also different shades as well in the coloring. Mm -hmm. there, there, there isn't just... 
This is the color that black people are. This is the color that Asian people are. This is the color that white people are. There are just various shades of everything, which is something else that I really loved about it. Yeah, one of the things I like, because we were talking about the, the nudity in it as well, there's a couple times where it sort of pokes fun at like sort of almost a cliche of movies and storylines or whatever, because like they will have all the women going into a shower scene, they'll say, you know, the, what is it? The, obligatory. Yeah, the obligatory nude scene or shower scene, and they have, you know, they, they play with some of the expectations <coughs> of uh, the media and like women's prison movies and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, because it does play with that exploitation film kind of vibe a little bit as well. Um, and I kind of, I love that the poking fun of it at that um, in a very humorous way and kind of pointing out without kind of beating you over the head with it to kind of going, oh yeah, and you know a typical thing, this is what this would be you know this really does feel like a great companion piece if you like oranges and black you would really dig oh, yeah. volume as well so I've enjoyed that but yeah, back to the, the ads are hilarious, everything for making your vaginas a spicy cinnamon taco <laughs> among other things, and it's just terrifying. I've had some experience in that from previous episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's there, but you go ahead and you watch it, and with the obligatory shower scene, I mean, it is very self-aware of we're going to poke fun of this cliche and kind of turn it on its head at the same time again. So it did explore that pretty well at the same time. Uh, um, I I also love, like, there's... um, like the some of the male characters, there's just that blatant misogynist, blatant racist, blatant, uh, and and to me it's just like yeah, that's the way dude bros are. Um, where where they where they just talk because they feel as though they're correct and they can just say whatever it is that they want to. But you know, in these days when we're all aware of the things that we say and how they can affect other people, they all get sad and offended about well I get to say what I want because you know it's my right and um in you know in real life yes you can say whatever you want however there are consequences to saying everything that you want where it here um these guys have full reign to just say whatever they want and talking about how disgusting Penny looks because you know she's big and why would you do that to yourself your father loves you and this whole patriarchy thing um, where you know the men really have like taken over um, it, it's it, I, 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 it was just crazy to me I, yeah it was funny the I whole time I was reading it I couldn't help every time a guy was talking where like a douchebag massage just a guy I was like hmm this is the base of the Republican Party <laughs> but also kind of yeah. felt like the way that, that unfortunately like in comics or movies or whatever the women are kind of almost one note and, uh, and not really necessarily all the way thought out. Sometimes the men were treated that same way. It was like, they kind of all were a little bit of the same, uh, which I think was also kind of an interesting comment on the whole situation as well. Uh, so I had another thought on that. Well, reading that, it does make me uncomfortable and feel sorry for my gender. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we really are this terrible. Uh, now I'm uncomfortable. Well, and I feel like it's almost the men in this book, or the, the society that is created in this book, is almost like what would have happened if uh, Mad Men never got out of the '60s and would have just continued on that route, you know? Because like, there's like there's um, actually remind me. Okay, so I heard maybe were you telling me about there was a short-lived uh, game show with Chuck Barris in yeah. the '60s, right? Where the game show was. They would have a guy's secretary and his wife come on the game show, and they had to figure out which one knew them better, knew the, the, the guy better. 
and like the wives never won the game show. Like, it, but it was like insanely sexist and, and kind of horrible. And it almost yes. this almost comes out of that same kind of idea. What was the name of that show? Might have been Secretary of the Game or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the other thing is I, I like that there's uh, the character of Whitney, who's the the officer who's trying to get oh shit, what's her name? The our lead character, Cam. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's she's the one who's trying to convince her to do this whole um, team, and uh, once again, she's obviously like the woman who's playing the game. Like she knows, hey, this is my place, but I'm gonna try to get you know as much power out of it as possible. Um, you definitely kind of feel that way with her that she's the one who's trying to move the pieces. And how um, to me, I'm like, well, how is this really benefiting her? Like, what is she really getting out of it? Because obviously, there's something else going on with her, especially. And once again, I don't want to give too many spoilers away. But in that last, in the in that last bit where. Um, the girls play the the game for the first time, um, and f- oh my god, that's probably so sexist to call them all girls. Um, <laughs> when when the inmates play play the game for the first time, and she's just sitting there smiling, being like, "Well, these are the rules, and you know, this is the way it's played." And uh, Cam even says, "I see you." Or oh, wait, hold on, what, what does she exactly say? Yeah, I I see you. I see what you do. Um, which reminds me of a great meme out there on the internet of Joan Crawford and she's just looking over her sunglasses and it says, bitch, I see you. <laughs> and, and and it's true. She's like, oh, yeah, okay. So, you know, apparently we are playing this this game, this kind of chess game of, uh, you know, what what is it that we're all trying to get out of this? But th- th- that character is just very interesting to me because obviously the men are sending this woman in thinking that, oh, it's another woman, she would feel more comfortable talking to her, whatever, whatever, but Cam kind of already sees through that bullshit, and, um, and just very, very interesting stuff. I, I, I want to see where this goes. Yeah, the only, the only the one thing I had a problem with is the you mentioned it kind of the very, very beginning was you get to the end, you're kind of like, you know, holy crap, I need to know what happens next. And it almost feels like this would have been a better collection if maybe, um, they, because like what Preacher did was you've got the original and you actually have the bigger ones that combine more issues in kind of one story. Um, I'd almost recommend if you're going to read this by the second trade as well, because uh, you, you want to know what happens next, and it kind of feels like it just... It, it kind of like a... It, oh, you know when they take a movie, like the Harry Potter series, the last mm-hmm. book, where they took the last book, they split it into two movies, and it just kind of like hangs in the middle, like, what the fuck? That's kind of how this feels, because you don't get a, a climax, really, you don't get it in a new movie, you don't get the end... It just kind of like stops in the middle of everything. Yeah, like obviously the end of, of this trade is the climax, because once you know a lot of shit goes down, and so you know you're gonna get the rest of the story, um, in in another book, which yeah is is frustrating, but uh, I mean once again it's, it's making me you know want to go buy it. So well, the other thing is, is that I think looking at it, I was trying to I was trying to look to see if like. If they cut an episode earlier, so if they cut out on the end of four, and four has an interesting cliffhanger at the end as well. And you can't really end it at three because that's just the penny story and that doesn't necessarily get you very far in the other two. It's like no one's going to buy a trade with my two issues on it. So, I mean, it is the logical place to end. I mean, I would have to read issue six to see if that goes on, but like, it does end on a cliffhanger. You want to know what happens mm-hmm. after that. So, I mean, it, it does end in a theoretically logical spot, but it is a little bit like a, oh shit, I want to read more, which is probably a good sign of why they cut it. 
at that point in time anyway. Yeah, it was just kind of unfulfilling. It kind of left you with comic blue balls. A little bit. Yeah, so if you don't want comic blue balls, read issue four, then buy the second trade paperback, <laughs> and then you can continue on with fun. Actually, the new, the second trade's not out yet. The second yeah. trade comes out shortly. Shortly. So, so kind of going back to the art and the fact that, you know, all the women are very distinctive, the um, interesting thing is that the, um, I forget what they call them, the, like, the, the, the projections that they, that they make on Bitch Planet, um, they are all the same. Like, it's the same woman, just dressed differently, and it's the super skinny waist, big boobs, over-sexualized, big lips, usually some kind of, like, big hair, um... And once again, this is sort of the, quote, ideal woman that everyone is supposed to, or all women are supposed to be going for, which I also found interesting. Even the nun that is projected in this in this book is, you know, naughty nun with her tits out wearing a corset. She was like Hellfire Club nun. Well, I think I also found kind of interesting about this, um, like in the one scene where they're running track, they have all these advertisements for it, and it kind of has an interesting commentary on advertising for women because they even... To the women, they are advertising a oversexualized woman. You know what I mean? They're in the gym mm-hmm. on a planet of all women, and the advertisements in the gym are all like very '80s women yeah. and leotards, exercising and trying to be all sexy and whatnot. So it's it's interesting because it plays. I mean, it does talk about like because if you look at women's magazines in general, like there are almost sexier pictures of women in women's magazines than there are in men's magazines. Which is true. Um, but also another interesting like commentary on women is uh, in Penny's flashback, seeing the three girls who are splitting yeah. the one muffin. It's like, it's like, oh, this is just fifteen calories each, girls. Oh, I'm so full. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from movies is um, Josie and the Pussycats. That's right, amazing film. Um, and. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when Parker Posey invites the girls in for a sleepover and she puts a couple of little items on her plate and she lifts up the one chip and she's like, oh, I'm so full. And doesn't even eat it. It's one of my favorite things. And, and that's what that reminded me of when the girls were like, oh, this is only 15 calories. We're splitting this one muffin. Uh-huh. Isn't that funny? And there's probably, if this were a movie, they'd be like hair tossing and... Just fantastic. And, and then they would go throw up. <laughs> the funny thing about Josie and the Pussycats, just to bring that up, is it does have a very interesting commentary on product placement as well. Like, oh well, that's the whole point of it. Yeah, they do such over the top obvious. Like, their their plane is like a big Target symbol, like everywhere. Like, <laughs> one girl has like a McDonald's themed hotel room, and like, uh, like yeah, it's just like it's insane. Like, she has like a a French fry loofah that she's using at one point in time. I remember that image for very specific reasons. But yes, <laughs> come on, Tara Reed. <laughs> she knew exactly the scene I was talking about. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, first of all, I have just recently watched that film again. Uh, so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the thing is that that, that movie is. I'm just making the connection. You're welcome. It's kind of like this where it, it has that so, social message, but it's kind of spinning it and selling it to you in a different way. Where this is obviously feminism packaged in uh, a comic book that is um, the sort of over over product, over selling, over advertisement of our um, generation, of our um, world. Um, and... And once again, but putting it in this dumb, fluffy movie about, you know, 
originally a 60s girl band that dresses up like cats and solves mysteries. Um, and, and in my opinion, Josie and the Pussycats is smartly done because that it doesn't try to pretend to be anything that it's not. It's just fun and silly, but still making the commentary of, you know, the hidden messages, the fact that we just... We always want what's next. We always want what's new. We always want what's better. Um, but yeah, uh, Josie and the Pussycats, it's a great movie. It's also, I think, one of Rosario Dawson's first movies. Is it? I believe so. I mean, I don't know if it's the first, but it's one of the first movies. It's one of the first times. Like, I think she gets, like, third or fourth billing in that movie. Like she, And like now it's like, oh, Rosario Dawson is, you know, somebody. Yeah, Rosario Dawson also, like, it's random projects. Whatever she thinks is interesting, she jumps into. It's kind of one thing I love about her. Um, well, and she was so good in Daredevil. Oh, she was great in that. <clears throat> she was actually really good in Clerks too. Um, For really, you brought up Clerks too. What? You brought up Clerks what? too. Oh, shame. A lot of things. Shame. <laughs> For the two heterosexuals on this thing, Todd, the dance scene on the roof. That was good. Yeah, that the, was don- good. the donkey show. Well, I'm glad you found something. <laughs> Kelly could be a guy's name too. <laughs> okay, so her—I just got on IMDb. Her first movie was Kids, yeah, in '95. Well, but J- Josie and the Pussycats is so she also did Down to Down to You, starring Freddie Prince Jr., one of my crushes. So it seems like it seems like she had like really like kind of small roles in these movies, and then Josie and the Pussycats in 2001. Oh, you mean Mr. Sarah Michelle Gellar? Um. No, that's what Julia Stiles. Yeah, first, first of all, Mr. Sarah Michelle Gellar, I still love him. I'm so about him. What has he done though? He's the voice of Kanan. Raising their children as Sarah Michelle Gellar continues to work. <laughs> no, he's so. So don't judge him. He's the voice of Kanan in Star Wars Rebels, which is a fantastic cartoon. You should watch it. But yeah, he's he's raising them babies. Okay, good for him. If I could be a stay-at-home dad, I would do it. I already did a season of 24 and had such a terrible experience with Peter Sutherland. He's like, you know what? I'm out. Oh, he did <laughs> And he absolutely hated working with Kiefer Sutherland. He's like, you know, why am I putting up with this? I don't have to do this. Yeah, he has his wife to pay for it, though. That's right. It's good for him. Y'all should have. I know. I mean, he's also got all of that, um, the, all that, she's all that money. Oh, she's all that. <laughs> I love the. Don't the, forget Wing Commander. You can be Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> and that Scooby Doo money. Listen, that shit's always on some kind of uh, channel. Very, very happily forgotten Wing Commander. Listen, he and Matthew Lillard just called each other and like, hey, let's do a movie. How about a movie in space? Sounds good. All right. And whatever happened with Matthew Lillard, too, because I liked him. Like, I thought he was great in SLC Punk. Um. And then I don't know what else he's done. Scooby Doo. Like, once again, a bunch of movies with Freddie Prince Jr. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, he was, was he in uh, Without a Paddle? He wasn't Without a Paddle, but that was terrible. Was he in uh, that uh, uh, Can't Hardly Wait? Was he in that one? Um, I don't like. I, he's not. Super, no, I don't think I so. Confusing him with Ethan Embry. Yes. Yeah. I got it up here. Let me see the two. Once again, all of those amazing early 2000 actors. Uh, he, he actually did the voice uh, of Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo cartoon. That was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in The Descendants. But anyway, bitch planet. <laughs> 
the wife was cheating on him with or whatever and, and descended. All I gotta say is though, is as you scream, because scream will hold the holy place in my heart. Oh, that's true. Oh, First of all, I love, I, I have still yet to watch the, the new TV show. However, even Scream 4, I liked. The Scream movies, I love, I love them. Right now, actually. Wait, you like the fourth one? Yes. I did. The, the only the only thing that I would have changed is spoiler alert. I would have made Sydney the killer. You like she finally lost her shit and started killing people. Yes, because and when I remember in sitting in the movie theater and you know the fact that Sydney is obviously played kind of that something could be wrong with her. I honestly thought that Sydney was going to be the killer in Scream 3. And I was like, how amazing would that be? So then when they were like, oh, now we're doing Scream 4, I was like, oh my god, please make Sydney the killer. Please make Sydney the killer. Because what a twist that would be. But then, of course, they made it like her cousin or whatever. Which is, you know, it, it, still, it still worked for the movie. Um, I Once again, I still liked it. I thought, I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was in the same sort of spirit that the... Um, first three were um scream three is still my favorite because once again parker posey is my boo and when she is doing her fake yo weathers it's just everything it's just everything that's uh kevin smith and uh james using it too that's three right yep yeah that's fair yeah wow i don't i can't believe i remember this much about scream movies however (laughs) as far as four goes (laughs) <laughs> Why? It's it's so fun and funny and silly and you get, you get to I mean you get to watch the death of Hayden Panettiere so yeah. that's always good. Good dog shit. But with Parker Posey in third movie, she was in Blade Trinity, and that scene pile of shit. Oh, it's something to behold. Bam Alder Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I will say, first of all, I also love Blade Three because of Parker Posey. <laughs> <laughs> she was so bad. Oh, she was just fun. She was just fun. And of course, you get to see Ryan Reynolds like shirtless a lot. Like, I'm totally down for that. Okay, so, wait. So, Bitch Planet. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to call you out for a movie where a guy has a shirt off a left. He dragged my ass to go see Troy. First of all, I did not drag your ass. It was your idea. Don't try, don't try to flip the script on me, sir. <laughs> like... That was, you wanted to go, and you were like, I think you'd enjoy this. Yeah, so I dragged him to it thinking it would be an action film, and then, like, we both got bored as hell. Did we even make it through that entire movie? We did, but only because we were like, we paid for this, we should stay. Oh, that's right, I remember the yeah, There's got to be something yeah. ridiculous. Some cost was. fallacy right there. Yeah. It must be nice to be able to walk out of movies. Uh, that's true. <laughs> only safe for them. Um, so my friend who's a movie critic, uh, I will not mention her name, but, but she um, she did walk out of a movie that she was in a screening for, and she's her article about it was like the fact that she walked out of that movie because there was literally nothing in the movie that she... It's, she said, I didn't hate it, I didn't like it. She's like, at least if I hated it, I would stay through it so I'd have a valid reason to hate it. She's like, I literally felt nothing about this film, so I walked out. What movie was it? Uh, I'm like, should I say? It was Now You Can See Me Too. Uh, no, was, uh, well, it just came out? Yeah. Oh, I, I had to work in school. So here's the fun thing is, when they schedule screenings, the different companies don't talk to each other, so they did two screens of Now You See Me Too. And the first one was during uh, Popstar. No fucking way I'm gonna miss that one, because that movie's <laughs> 
Again, I've been blaring the soundtrack all along and just hearing them talk about how the Mona Lisa is a good kid makes me happy. <laughs> With her dead char guys and a smack like she's hiding a dick. Um, <laughs> and the old Missouri uh, Warcraft was unfortunately I had to work through as well. Um, so I'm actually probably going to go see it tomorrow, but I don't know. I have, I have issues with people who walk or carry to walk in. She, and, and she said that the only reason she because she's like I feel nothing for this movie she's like I didn't hate it I didn't like it it was just nothing she's like there was nothing on screen well, my, my thing is that I you know I, actually I have watched out of two movies but it was just because I was at home and I just said to fuck it when I was at the smoke because um, I'm not crude you guys don't both know me mm-hmm. you've heard me say horrible things <laughs> on this podcast um, but I don't know what it was about the human centipede that just Disgusted me to my absolute core, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm out." I don't know what it was. It was that one in Party Monster. Party Monster. I liked Party Monster. I think just because they were such horrible people. I need to go back and watch it again. Uh, The book is actually pretty interesting. Party Monster. It's it was originally titled Disco Bloodbath, and then it got re-released as Party Monster. Yeah. It's autobiographical. It's a true story. Um, and it's actually an interesting read. Which is weird because I'm re- but, but wait, which ones? Because I know there's the two movies about the same story. Is Party Monster the one with Macaulay Culkin and Seth Green? And Seth Green, because I, I I've seen the other one, not the one with Macaulay Culkin and Seth Green. And there's a bad documentary on Netflix or has been on Netflix about the same subject, like I watched, and it's not as interesting. Yeah. But, but yeah, the weird thing is, like, like uh, Rules of Attraction is a movie I actually like a lot. And that's all about horrible people. Dan Bray smells is an asshole, and I hope he dies of AIDS. But uh, yeah, some of the party monsters didn't. It loved me, but then again, I wasn't reviewing them. So my thing is, I, I can't review a movie if I walk out of it. That's why I, I stick to even like unfair. Well, so once again, in my friend's defense, so her reviews aren't. She's not. A, anyway, I'm not going to go in and try to explain her job, especially on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she can do whatever she wants. I'm just saying, my that's my philosophy for myself. That's my yeah. Philosophy. Um. Anyway. Uh. So bitch plan. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like, I'm trying to think of like anything else that I wanted to say. I mean, I think I've said everything. I I just I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it so uh, you know, I I, th- I guess my one critique is that this trade in particular it it leaves you wanting more. But it's that but I I, I, I need to know like how come I I can't know right now? Because like with Saga, um, for those of you who have been following us for a while, we we have uh, Saga that uh, should have premiered before this one. Um, I went and I bought all of the rest of the trades because I wanted to know what happened. And I just literally binged one day or one evening and just read all of them. Um, So I'm now up to five and number six I've already pre-ordered. So when that comes out, I'm going to get it. But I know... The reason that I could keep reading was because I already had them, but I think I would... Like, I'm okay with waiting until six comes, like, to my house because... It ends on uh, on a place where I'm like, okay, like yeah, I, I I can wait for the for the next one. Like, all right, but this one, it's like you left on such a crazy note. Like, I'm pissed that I don't have any kind of resolution to anything. Well, I think that's that's what we see in a lot of trades. Is that mm-hmm. and we, I mean, many force not gonna be a dead horse, but you know, most trades kind of complete the story out, and then the next one starts over. But this almost seems like a serial that's gonna go on for maybe one story for the whole. Whole run, um, so that's where you get the whole like, oh, let's we'll stop mid, you know, mid scene, and now we're waiting for the next, you know, the, the sequel to come out. But um, again, that could just that could just be the final long, the long game plan for the whole comic. I mean, aside from you, you uh, straight boys feeling uncomfortable, 
Anything else you have to add? I feel uncomfortable. I, I would say, because I, I, when I read this book, I, I, uh, I have a friend who's a cosplayer who I texted her the, the name of this book. I'm like, have you read this? And she's like, no. I was like, I just want to get a female perspective on it. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like uh, there are certain things just being a straight male that I didn't quite catch all of it. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain things uh, that were implied. And actually, let me, Todd, if you want to give your thoughts, I'll pull up. The text message conversation I had with her and get some of her thoughts on it that I can relay. No problem. So I did read all of Bitch Plan. I read it to finish it off today. For me, this one was a difficult one to get through. And I just don't think I'm the target audience for this as much as anything else. Or if I am, I completely missed the point. So it it was well done. The art was good. The story was good. They had a lot of great things about it. But once again, for me, it's like, my wife locked binge watching Orange is the New Black telling me how great it is, and I'm just not into it that much. So, so when you say that you know you're not the target audience, and I and I I fall into this trap all the time. Um, so my my experience is uh, straight comedies like things that star Adam Sandler or Owen Wilson, or for example, Adam's talking about pop star. Like I have no interest in seeing those movies. I stopped finding them funny about ten. 12 years ago. Like, I go into these movies being like, alright, I'm ready to have fun. The only one that there's been a difference of is Hangover. Hangover was a, a, the first movie in a long time that I sat in and I was like, oh, this is hilarious, and I laughed. For the most part, I'm like, uh, this isn't, you know, I'm obviously not the target audience, but I feel like if you feel you're not the target audience, you actually are the target audience, because it's once again, preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why? it's uh, at work, which I try not to talk about too much on here, but at work, I have these staff meetings where I'm talking about policies and procedures. You know who's at my staff meetings? The people who are following the rules. <laughs> so if you, so it's just like, well, obviously I don't need to tell you guys this. You guys already know. We're, so once again, bitch planet. Obviously, I think, I think it's about um, female comic book readers having something um, more to relate to. I think it's about women of color who are, once again, uh, fans of comic books having something to relate to. But also for that straight white male comic book fan who doesn't understand uh, you know, sort of a female perspective. This is for for you too, and yeah, it probably is going to be difficult to get through because you in this you are being portrayed as the villain, which you know is hard. Um, you know, I I I try, and, and once again, I'm I'm not saying that you know you're a terrible person, Todd. What I'm saying is that you tried and you did it. <laughs> you know, because because I know that I try all the time to try to be like, okay, I need to not be that gay who only watches gay movies, who only does gay things. You know, I, I do have other friends besides gay people, and I need to be able to relate to them as well. Sure. I guess reading this, I was looking for that teaspoon of sugar to help that medicine go down. Those are the taste. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so. but the, it also, though, and, and it, I think it's actually a benefit of it, but it, it doesn't necessarily glorify titties the way you normally would have in a comic, which... Yeah, it's truly, it's just nudity for... What it is. It, it's, it's almost because it, it's making a point, but it's also because that's what would be happening in the story naturally, mm-hmm. anyway, when that's going on. Um, yeah, so I pulled up her uh, her comments, and uh, she does a lot of cosplay, and she is on uh, Instagram, so if you want to follow her, it's Sumoplex, S U M M O P L E X, on Instagram. Um, that's, you can see a bunch of her stuff from uh, uh, cosplay stuff, so go ahead and follow her. But uh, so her thoughts uh, were like, she liked Penny. Uh, she's ca- talking about the uh, the scene where uh, uh, they were like putting the machine on her. She said, uh, 
Uh, I can't see you, but I can feel you judging me. So that's freaking real shit right there. It's such a common feeling. Um, so the whole society made her kind of angry. Not that she would throw it against the wall, but it was just kind of it was just kind of a fucked up situation, which we've kind of already discussed. Um, and she said uh, the, the the penny scene where she's looking in the mirror, seeing her normal self, was basically big, you know telling him to fuck off. She said was like super fat and satisfying, and really really enjoyed it. And then, but had concerns that you know in a future uh, book, Penny would die. So like a lot of the same things that we were feeling, you know, or, or discussing here. I mean, and then kind of jumping on to what you guys were talking about before mm -hmm. I, I pulled out her conversation. I kind of feel like if you if you are have the ability to be empathetic to anybody else's plight and kind of try to see things from someone else's perspective, you can definitely still get into this book. You know what I mean? Like it's not so foreign that you're like. I don't have boobs or vagina. I have no way of associating with this book whatsoever. Mm -hmm. A style has interesting action. It still has an interesting plot. It still has good art in a fun way. What if you have, boob <clears throat> what if you have boobs but you don't have a vagina? Uh, I think you can still relate. I think okay. you're still right there's there. There's a bit there. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's, 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 there's a bit of everything there for everybody. So I mean, like, but I, I liked it. I just felt like, I guess I didn't feel like I missed up. I felt like I would have had a greater appreciation for it if I would have had more of the women experience. And I don't think, in that circumstance, it's about the parts of the physical woman it's about a woman's experience in society there's certain things there that i'm sure resonated more um you know to a woman reading this book than it would have to me and that's kind of why i wanted to get you know someone else's perspective on it not that i didn't appreciate it but that's just kind of where i'm sitting at uh if that sort of makes sense um but yeah so we're about at that time uh so but I, I was gonna say i was gonna um my, my same friend who we were talking about earlier who's also a film critic um she's a uh I, like I'm gonna go give this book to her because I want to talk about this book with her um, if she hasn't read it already um, because she's also someone who she's she's had the experience of someone looking at her in a comic book store and saying oh fake geek girl and she and she's just like um no I I still she's still fairly new to comic books but at the same time she's like no no I still enjoy all the same things you do um but uh but yeah I. I I'm, I, I too would like to discuss this with um, somebody who has definitely more feminist leanings and um, can obviously more relate to their the, the story that's happening. Yeah, I um, yeah, I get that. Uh, so, Q, before we head off on, on this subject, do you have any uh, final thoughts or reviews on this in general? Um, I, I'd, I recommend this to everyone. Um, you know, as I was saying before, if you feel like you aren't the target audience for something, still give it a try. Like, you know, the, there's no harm in trying, excuse me, trying to understand someone else's perspective. Um, it's also, as I also said before, I think it's extremely interesting. There's lots of mystery. Like, I want to know, like, why why this particular woman in this particular circumstance is being asked to put together this team. And um, also, there's this whole thing where they totally kill the star of this sport just to get people more interested. Like, it, it's, um, you know, there's lots of that political kind of intrigue that is, is uh, very interesting in moving the story forward. So I give this, like, you know, not that we have an official rating scale, but, you know, <laughs> two thumbs up. I gave it three, four vaginas. <laughs> Yo, Adam, so what, what are your final thoughts on this? I know, I, I had a good time with it. I, I think it's interesting that I think it resonated more with you and I, uh, more than you two, because, uh, you know, gay men have only always been drawn to powerful women. I mean, mm -hmm. you mentioned John Crawford, and, you know, you look at, you know, all history, it's always kind of how it's been. So I think um, because, I mean, obviously we're not women, but... Mm -hmm. 
um, and I had a long conversation. And the one person I wish could have been here, unfortunately, she had other other obligations. Uh, Brooke Heim, who does the uh, not uh, not entirely perfect podcast, as well as bored as hell with me and Andy. Um, she did a panel on this at Comic Con um, called "Being About a Non-Compliant Woman," and uh, just, so if you want to, you know, discuss someone, I mean, she's amazing. But when I was on her podcast, I brought the idea I've always had is that homophobia stems from a fear of women. Because if you think about it, what's the worst thing a guy could do would be to act like a woman in bed. Hmm. And we kind of had a big conversation about that. It's it, it was interesting, and some people don't agree with me, but. Um, you know, so I think is coming from a different background of you know where I've come from. I, I did kind of resonate with it more, even though I'm not a woman, obviously. Um, but no, I, I liked it a lot. I, I love the artwork. I love the storyline. Uh, the only complaint I have was, like I said, just with the end, and I think that's just because we're going to get one long story arc instead of you know individual ones like we've seen, like the saga or mm-hmm. uh, even Preacher. You know, have one long story arc, so it's kind of broken down into parts. Yeah, well, and this is also the ramping up of this book. I feel like it's not, it's at, at the end of this trade, it's still establishing the universe that it's in and starting the story up, but I feel like it's not at a point where it can do individual story arcs, or if it does, it's doing a longer form of one. Um, so it might be the first two trades kind of fit into that. Um, but yeah, uh, since I'm already babbling on, I'll, t- I'll jump in. Um, I actually, I mean, because I didn't necessarily feel like I identified with the uh, I, I, it's not that I didn't feel like I identified with it. I really did enjoy the book. I liked the characters. I thought uh, the art was fun and the way the story was told I thought had a good uh, sense of humor about things and nice, it poked fun at things but also made you think in a very good way. My only thought process is, is that I feel like being a white male, I don't necessarily have the full experience of you know having society work against me. So um, I don't necessarily get the full satisfaction of you know watching people say fuck you to the system, um, you know. Other than my you know little punk rock grown grown in Utah, you know, rebelling that way kind of thing. You don't know how to check your privilege. Um, I, I do not check my privilege. I guess I'm aware that I am privileged, uh, and so therefore I'm like no, like there's there's certain things that aren't going to necessarily quite speak to me as much as they do to other people. But I still really did love this book. I thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, but yeah, so Todd, your thoughts? It was fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> going right here. Once again, the execution was done really well. And there's, you know, and I bring it back again. It's like Orange is the New Black meets Death Race. And watching it, you get, there's a little bit of that pulp there. And there's things, and even the point bringing back again of the obligatory naked shower scene is they're doing a decent job of, oh, hey, look, naked shower scene, here it is. And like, all right, naked shower scene, and then it turns into some content. And really, it takes things that you are expecting to see, and it provides it there, and yet it's a twist, and it's a little bit different. And it sometimes it causes reflection that you probably don't want to be doing to yourself as a privileged black <laughs> straight guy in Utah, United States. <laughs> The first step to recovery is acceptance. Right, and... <laughs> I thought it was denial. Well... That's just a river in... <laughs> yeah, that's just a river in Africa. So I'm not quite in Africa yet. So, but watching it, it's reading the book. It was good. Do I want to be reading this? Yeah. In some ways, it might be like Proust. A little bit every day is probably good for you. I can't really sit down and read this all while. The only thing I would recommend against this is I feel like it'd be really awkward to be reading this in an airport. I read this at Starbucks today. 
<laughs> well, you are a bigger man than I am. <laughs> Literally, my titties are hanging out on the table. No, I was, I was in the beginning, and when they get to the big planet for the first time, they're all taking a shower, and I was like, it's just nice little Mormon family next to me, the three kids, and I'm kind of like in the corner, like, trying to, like you know, like cover the title and tilt the book, but. I was You're trying, in Starbucks. Yeah. It's not a nice little Mormon family. I was gonna pull it out and read it. And they work. were drinking frappuccinos, vanilla frappuccinos. Well, then they. they were if it's there. cold, it's not hot. You're okay. Yeah, sure. Oh, it's sure. It's cold. And it was vanilla, so there's no caffeine. The devil is in your hot. Actually, we came up with a weird question earlier today, and no one at this table can answer. But it was a weird question. So you can't have, have hot beverages. What happens if you're drinking a cold beverage but you're sitting in a hot tub? Because when you drink it, the beverage will heat up. Then you, you go to the terrestrial kingdom when you die. Oh, is that what yeah. stuff? Okay. That's where the fun is, though. Yeah. Throw the coin. Nobody oh. <laughs> and there it is. Thank you. <laughs> Just waiting for you to hit your cue. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I am. I'm nothing if nothing. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Q, do you have any uh, recommendations? Uh, sorry, you asked me when I literally. Okay, so just I will. I will jump in. Uh, we record these a few weeks ahead. Um, so uh, if you guys haven't figured that out, we, we do because we have lives and you know. We're also building in a uh, insurance policy so that if we ever get so busy we can't record one one week, we have a backup in the, in the can. But as we record this, uh, the Tonys are tomorrow, and last year's Tony Award winner for um, uh, Best Musical is uh, actually based on a graphic novel, and it's actually uh, written by a feminist uh, lesbian, and it's about her coming out and her father coming out at about the same time, and uh, how those two things conflict. But it's called Fun House, and it's... Oh, remember her Fun home. Right. It's fun, fun home. Alice Bechtel. Ask Alison Bechtel, who brought us the Bechtel scale, which I learned about from Adam today. Um, which, uh, do you know the Bechtel? And you told me about it, too? So the Bechtel... Yeah. I knew what it was. I didn't know what it was. I was, I was out of it, but yes. Uh, Adam the the Bechtel test is basically, it's, it's take a look at a movie, and see if, for to pass this test, you have to have at least two female characters who speak to each other at length about something other than a man. Yes. So, and it's, it's a good, I mean... Long story short, I think it's a good guideline. I think it's flawed a little bit because there's some things where you can look at like a badass female and she's the only character in the movie, and you can tell a really strong, like awesome thing. Um, but it's a good start, and it's really weird to go through movies that you love and, and that you maybe think, oh, it's a great movie, and then I'm like, oh shit, this isn't even like a golden normal there is props. So it's it's definitely a good start. I'd like to take it further, but um, yeah, just just go go look through movies and try to find some to pass it. It's, it's surprisingly hard. Even Shakespeare did that. Had women's props. Yeah. In a lot of stuff. And I remember. Rowing Michelle. What? <laughs> oh, and actually, so speaking of the Bechdel test, because I found this, I looked this up and I found this up. So, Kelly Stacey Cormitt, who wrote Bitch Plan, which we're talking about, I'm tying this all together. Ooh. How beautiful is this? Uh, she actually has a similar test, which is called the Sexy Lamp Test. And it's a proposed different test that if a female character can be replaced, by a sexy lamp and the story still basically works, you need another draft, is basically what she's saying. <laughs> Honestly, I'm picturing the leg lamp from Christmas story. That, I think that's what everybody yeah. thinks. Yeah. yeah. But so, so if the women in your story can be replaced by the leg lamp from uh, from Christmas story, you probably need to re look at your draft. But, um, so I did read that book this week. Um, it is autobiographical. And uh, it was really funny because I started reading it. My wife was like, you know, it's about a lesbian, right? And I'm like, yeah, but it's great like it was it was really interesting it was uh uh the way it's written is very cool it's uh it's sort of slightly journal entries it bounces back and forth in time a little bit and her father um 
in real life, and I'm assuming, I mean, I'm assuming in real life, but in the story, he was an uh, English professor as well as a funeral home director, which is where the name Fun Home comes from, because that's what the kids call the funeral home, is it called the Fun Home? But because he was an English professor, there's a lot of very interesting literary references. So you kind of feel smart because you're learning about famous literature at the same time as you're reading the comic book. But uh, how could you learning about things? I read books and shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I actually I really enjoyed that, um, and I highly recommend it. And you know, if you're into musical theater, it's kind of fun to see where that came from, um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and made me appreciate the musical a little bit more. Even though there's one song they keep playing that my wife hates. Um, but if you're listening to musicals, since you know. Why wouldn't you be? Uh, the song uh, "Come to the Fun Home" is like one of my favorites in that soundtrack. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's the kids doing their fake ad for their parents' funeral home, which is actually pretty funny, um, and probably about as funny as that that show gets because I'm sure it gets very dark. Um, so, Q, are you ready to go back to you for a rec- yes? Okay. So, my recommendation, which um, I believe at the end of Saga, I said this as well. I literally bought the rest of Saga that is available and binge read it, and it is so good <laughs> it is so good i did when i came across the um bukkake scene i was like yes living um <laughs> I told you. it is it is so interesting there are so many interesting and different characters in it and um the, like just like uh, it's it's so good everything is interwoven perfectly um you never feel like you're kind of missing out on things the my only thing with that is um uh, uh, or my only thing is uh it skips ahead in time because obviously my biggest issue with comic books is when there's a baby involved because obviously you want to age that baby as quickly as possible so there's, so there's like lots of like skipping in time to try to make the baby older because obviously she's also the narrator of the story. Um, but uh, like that's kind of my only thing. I'm like, oh, the baby's already like two or three, but like we're still in the same spot. Okay. Um, but anyway, it's just a very, a very good book. I once again am recommending to, to anyone and everyone. If you need to come borrow it from me, I have all five volumes. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, uh, highly recommended. Todd, you ready to go for a recommendation for next week? Yeah, on a recommendation. Then, quick side comment on the sexy lamp test. Benicio del Toro must qualify in usual suspects as well. You can understand some of the latest That's true. That's also, um, uh, I can't from, uh, fuck, ignore me. I've, I've lost all transparency. All right, there we go. <laughs> you know, the one thought is so this So I do have a fun little comic book I do want to push. Um, it's by Brian Michael Bendis. Who I love his work. He's done a little bit here and there. If you're familiar with comics, you've probably come across him. But he's got a book called Fortune and Glory. He uh, wrote and drew, and it was based on a personal experience of his trying to get one of his earlier comic books made into a movie. And Does this say what comic system. book it is? Goldfish. Goldfish. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, and it doesn't go, well, it's kind of an autobiographical story of how that went for him. Mm-hmm. It's a fun read. Um, Bendis is great with the dialogue and the storyline and everything else. And everything from your Clint Eastwood to uh, other things in there. It's a good fun read. Um, <coughs> Fortune and Glory. Read it. If you can find it. Yeah, the only issue I sometimes have with Bendis is he can get really wordy or he can not be wordy. Like, it just depends. Like, right. If he's writing powers, it's like shit tons of words. Like, it's like reading a novel with a few pictures in it. Unless it's the Planet of the Apes sequence. Yeah, which was actually kind of great. He did yeah. uh, He did a whole issue with no words whatsoever in it. Um, 
But also, I mean, but then he does uh, the uh, the new Miles Morales Spider-Mans, which I also mm-hmm. loved and thought were, were great. Um, so in general, I like them. So I haven't read it, but I've been flipping through it on the table here. Yeah. And then, of course, took a picture of it so I would remember to go buy it. Um, so, yeah, it looks great. <laughs> What's uh, hilarious while looking at it, it's go zero. Older audiences. It's rated for older, older. audiences. <laughs> Not mature. But older. Well, at least he's not, he's not John Hickman who writes so, like, you have to have a PhD in Oh, my God. Okay, That's you know, true. We have to discuss that because I was trying to read a couple of his books, and a couple of them been recommended to me, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't fucking understand this at all. Like, his run on the Avengers was, I was having the hardest fucking time understanding shit. So, cool. Then we'll move on. Adam, do you have any recommendations for this week? So my recommendation actually is more of a place. Um... So if you're in Utah, I'm sure you've heard of them, but I cannot recommend and praise the guys from Dr. Volt's comics uh, enough. They're on 33rd South and like 20th East. Uh, I was in there a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned in passing, like, oh, how much I like the Dark Phoenix saga. And I would love to actually one day, you know, get the uh, get some of the original issues. Um, so I walked in there to pick up my hold, and they're like, oh, we got a surprise for you. And they had all of the issues except for, like the first three, because one of them was like the first pairs of Kitty Bride, and that's mm-hmm. hard to get. They're like, yeah, someone came in and sold them, we immediately thought of you, and put them aside in case you want them. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you have any idea like how happy that made me? I was like, you just made my, my weekend. Like, <laughs> So I've got my car right now. Wait too, I spent way too much money on comics today. Um, Good for you. That, that's me every time I go to the yeah. show. Yeah. I am so jealous. <laughs> if you ever come visit, you can touch them. Um, Another thing. Can I can I rub them all, all over my body? As long as they stay in the bags, yes. Um, but yeah, which is, I was like, that's just so cool that you guys remember that. So to Dave and Andrew and everyone up there, thank you guys. You guys rock. Um, and as compared to some of the other shitty comic stores who are on my evil cunt, um, you guys are amazing. So Cool. Uh, so, I think that does it for this week. Uh, next week we're going to be discussing Kingdom Come uh, by Mark Wade with art by Alex Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, it, like all the recipes will be on our website, www.funnybooksandfirewire.com. You can find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the social media links are also on our website. Um, yeah, so uh, join us next week. And uh, until then, please support your local comic shop, uh, especially Dr. Gold's apparently. Yes. And uh, be sure to tip your bartender. Thanks, guys. See ya.